Well, glory. If you would this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we'll start a reading there in verse 11. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. It came to pass the day after that he went into the city of Nain. This is Christ Jesus. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. And when they came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And, there, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead set up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, I confess to you first that I've sinned against you. I ask that you forgive me those sins as I cast myself at your throne this morning. Lord, I pray that I would be so humbled that you would move in me in such a great and mighty way that I would be effortless this morning and be able to be used of you. That I would be your spokesman, that you would speak through me this morning, through your word, what you would have me to have, me to take in, and also the people. Lord, I pray for an anointing this morning. I pray that Satan be barred from this place, that Jesus would move freely in our midst. You do something here that we could not imagine. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. Jesus and funerals. God presents two subjects for us to consider this morning. Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us that Jesus Christ has entered the city of Nain. And he walks upon a funeral procession. A funeral is in progress. Now I want you to think on that. Jesus Christ, the giver and sustainer of life, has encountered a funeral. A funeral. The final occasion that marks the end of one's life here on earth. The setting is in a place uh, for another opportunity for a supernatural demonstration of Jesus' uh, deity to be shown. The combination of Jesus and uh, this funeral 
uh, or all funerals will always, every time, result in an unexpected and life-altering change. That's what happens at funerals, you know that? When someone dies, there's fixing to be an unexpected change, right? We're told that the woman was attending the funeral of her only son and that she's a widow. Now I'll say this. Life is filled uh, with its share of disappointments, heartbreaks, and pains. But you believe this, that Jesus has a way of reversing those conditions as well as the attitudes of life. First thing this morning, I want us to look at how Jesus restores hope. Jesus restores hope. Look there in verse 11 with me again. And it came to pass... Uh, the day after that he went into the city of Nain and many of the disciples went with him and much people. So there's a big crowd with Jesus coming into the city here. And then verse 12 says, Now when he came nigh to the gates of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. We've got two big crowds fixing to come together. So we've got a story of a woman that's fixing to bury her only son. We have a picture of Jesus Christ with the disciples and many traveling with him. Two groups on the same street going two different directions. Two groups, one is playing funeral music and singing funeral songs and the others are celebrating that the fact that they are with the Rose of Sharon as they travel. This encounter is ripe for a miracle. This woman had lost all hope. She had nothing to rejoice about. Her husband was dead. I'm sure that her parents were already dead. She's, uh, now she's fixing to bury her only son. He's just died. They're on their way to the graveyard to put him in the ground. But, on the way to the cemetery, She ran into Jesus. On her way to lay the rest, the remains of her only child, she runs into Jesus. On her way to bury the last of her bloodline, she's about to bury all that she had left in this world, and she runs into Jesus. I want you to notice that this is one of those miracles performed by Jesus Christ when the recipient of the miracle does not actively seek Christ. This lady did not initiate this meeting. It never tells us the Word of God that she even knew who Jesus was. Or, uh, we know that none of the friends come uh, run before and called Jesus here. We see that did not happen. She had never introduced herself to Him. But in the midst of her hopeless and hurting situation... She runs into Jesus. Coincidence. No. This lady is in a pitiful predicament. Life has lost all meaning. All hope is gone. So let's see what happens. Look there with me in verse 13. 
When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. You see, when Jesus shows up and says, Weep not, things are fixing to change. When Jesus shows up and says, Weep not, things are fixing to get real good. Now you may be thinking, What in the world does this have to do with me? Where's he even going with this? What does this have to do with me right now? I'm not at a graveyard. I'm not at a cemetery. I'm not even sick or no one in my family's sick. What's he even talking about? Well, I'm going to answer that for you. You may be here today in the middle of a dead situation. Just like the widow of our text. You may be in the middle of a funeral. You may be on your way to a graveyard. Not an actual graveyard, but a graveyard of despair. A graveyard that may be called marital problems. A graveyard of a child that may have went astray. You may be in a graveyard of family problems coming down upon you. Or you may be just in that grave situation where you just don't care anymore. Whatever that cemetery of no hope looks like, you, my brother and sister, uh, can find a hope in knowing that your hopeless despair does not line up with your destiny. You get that. Your despair does not line up with your destiny. Your sadness and sorrow is no match for God's sovereign power. You may be going through a painful and hopeless situation and you need to hear God tell you this morning through His perfect Word, Jesus is on your street. Man, think of that just a minute. It doesn't matter where you are, Jesus is on your street. Now, I don't know why you came to church this morning. Maybe just out of conscience. Maybe just out of tradition, that's just what I do. You may have came because you had to teach Sunday school or lead singing or even preach this morning. You may have come to hear someone sing or sing a special. You may have came just to look at VBS decorations or just to get here to fellowship with everyone. But I'm going to tell you the real reason you're here. Now you may not realize it, but the real reason that you're here is is God has put you here this morning that you can run into Jesus Christ Himself. That's why you're at church this morning. The only reason that God's permissive will has allowed you to get here this morning is that you can run into Jesus Christ. No matter whatever your alternatives were, not whatever any of your thinking was about what you were coming to church for this morning, you believe you're here because God wants you to run into Jesus. Because He's here. Praise God, He's here. Jesus Christ is in the vicinity of all of our pain. He's in the vicinity of all of our problems. He's in the vicinity of all of our predicaments. He is in the vicinity of our brokenness and in our failures and in all our crises. He's in the vicinity. He's on our street. Be careful before you ever start giving up on things that appear dead. You see, Jesus wants to restore hope in that. Have you ever heard anyone say, well... I'm not even going to worry about it anymore. It's done. You ever heard that? I've prayed and I've prayed for this to happen and they're still doing the same thing. I'm just going to throw my hands up and God and handle it from there. Oh no now. You're missing it. You see, Jesus wants to restore our hope 
Jesus is in our vicinity. But not only does Jesus restore hope, he also reverses graveyard situations. The scripture tells us that Jesus stopped the funeral. After speaking words of hope to the woman, he proceeds to stop the funeral. You can read it in the text that he first said, weep not. Then he walks up and he touches the coffin. It says the people who were bearing the coffin stopped. So see, they've not stopped when he said, weep not. No, he stops the funeral. Look there in the last part, uh, or the first part of verse 14. And he came and touched the bier, coffin. And they that bear him stood still. Stood still. You see, Jesus wants to reverse our graveyard situations. God's permissive will will never outdistance or overshadow His sovereign power. I want you to get this. God's permissive will is just for a season, but His perfect will is your destiny. As a child of God, we must realize that our condition in this world cannot eclipse our position in the kingdom of heaven. The widow woman. We read of today did not know Christ, but she happened to run into Him. But we as a child of God, should always know that it is no accident that Christ is on our street. So therefore, we've been given a right this morning. I want you to get this. You and I, as a child of God, have been given a right this morning through Jesus Christ to expect God to work on our behalf. You believe that? Not because we're worthy of it, just because He said He would do it. We just claim His promises. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter what road of disappointment we're on. We have the right today to expect God to move in that situation. It doesn't matter what our pain and our sorrow may be. It doesn't matter the condition of our family. We have a right this morning through Jesus Christ to expect God to move in that situation. So often we get and we say, well, I'm just giving up. I'm done. No, what we as God's children ought to do is say, Lord, I've done all I can do. I turn it all over to You. You move. Jesus is in my vicinity. You get the glory for it. Praise His name. I expect Him to work on my behalf. We're not called today as the redeemed to merely cope with sorrow you're not called today to just merely uh, cope with despair or even sickness or even pain no praise his name we're called to conquer it 
We're called even more over than conquerors. We're greater than conquerors. We're called to go on past. When pain comes up, we have been called to conquer it through Him. When sorrow may fall on us and this world may come upon us in a mighty, horrible storm, we are called not merely to cope with that, but to conquer it through Jesus Christ. Conquerors. More than conquerors is what Christ has made us. But not only that, we see in this story how Jesus reacted. He's seen a hopeless situation. He's seen that uh, there needed to be some help given that it was a dead situation. He's seen that it needed to be reversed. I'm going to tell you as a child of God, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, we're also called to touch and help reverse dead situations for His glory. Well, you can't do anything with Him. Watch out now. I'm glad Jesus didn't say that about me. There's no hope for that, old boy. Leave him alone. Watch out. Jesus could have said that about me. You and I, as a child of God, have been called to also reach out to those hopeless situations and those situations that may look dead. You and I, as Calvary Baptist Church, are to reach out to those situations and try to reverse that dead situation bring life to it but so often what happens to us as children of God as I said we're to called to touch and to help reverse those situations to intervene to move in on them situations but we got to be real careful that we're not hanging out with those funeral folks you see they're on the right road but they're going the wrong direction don't get so entangled in their lives that you, they draw you towards them. Remember, there's two groups we're looking at. You had the weeping crowd it's headed to the graveyard, and then you had the Jesus crowd headed in the direction of life and opportunity. That's the road we're to be on. The situation that you thought was dead and on your way to the graveyard can be reversed. If we only let Jesus touch it. I don't know what your Christian walk, I don't know what your walk with Christ looked like this morning. I don't know what's all wrong in your life, but I know there's life in His touch. And Jesus this morning to each and every one of us wants to reverse our graveyard situation. And it brings me to the last point. Not only does Jesus restore hope, wants to reverse graveyard situations, Jesus will revive the dead. Look there with me in verse 14 again. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bear him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. Now we're told this young man's dead. Now the text doesn't tell us how he died. Whether it be from a birth defect, what whatever may have struck, what kind of sickness may have, may have been an accident. This young man may have started hanging out with the wrong crowd and got involved in the wrong things. 
and his life was snuffed out. We do know that he was a young man. We know nothing else about this. And then in verse 15, after he tells him to arise, it says, And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know who the preacher was. I don't know who read the obituary. I don't know the funeral home that was carrying this out. I don't know what cemetery they were, uh, the name of the cemetery that he was going to be buried at. But I do know this, Jesus gives life. All the things about what caused the death of this young man have fell away because Jesus gives life. But whenever Jesus gives life, when Jesus saves someone, whenever Jesus gives life to the dead, there's going to be problems. Now I want you to get this. Not that Jesus has saved you, but there's going to be problems. There's going to be a conflict in this world when you receive Christ. Things are going to be different, and you can see it even simply in this story. You just think of what the conflict. You think about the problems that were caused by this young man being raised from the dead here. Well, one thing is a grave digger's got a hole, and there's nobody to put in it. Right? There's one simple problem we're looking at. Somebody's paid for a funeral service, and not all the service has been used. You see that happening? Not only that, these people have gotten all dressed up to go to this funeral. Mourning. Easing down the road. People prepared music. Mourning. Music. But now he's alive. Now a party's fixing to start. Now the music's all changed from what it was. But the same way it is in your life when accepting Christ. Those people that used to want to hang out with you don't want to be there anymore. If they, ha if they do, you may want to check the experience you say that you had with Jesus. Things have changed in life so often. Many people uh, that have uh, taken that life, choosing Christ over death, accepting Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, have lost their entire family over it. Great conflict comes when it happens. Things will become different after Jesus saves. The biggest conflict is this. I want you to get this and understand why there's so much conflict with Jesus saving someone. The biggest conflict is, is that death and Satan have been denied one of their many victims. You see, Jesus and death cannot coexist. It's impossible. He's life, then there's death. They can't coexist. In this story, let's go and play this out for you. I can just hear old death and Satan saying I am sick and tired of Jesus every time I get someone entangled uh, in sin and pain and sorrow he'll show up to set them free I'm tired of it and angered by it and I'm sure Christ could respond to Satan and say I'm sick and tired of this battle myself with you 
Satan, you've been battling me since the Garden of Eden. You got Adam, you got Moses, you got uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. You got Job and you got the prophets. You got King uh, David and all the other kings. So I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm fixing to settle this thing between us. I'm fixing to settle this once and for all. I'm going to complete the divine work of God and His plan. Jesus said, Satan, I tell you what, you meet me right outside the walls of Jerusalem around high noon on a Friday afternoon. Twelve o'clock, I'll meet you there at a place called Golgotha. You meet me at Calvary at 12 o'clock. And I tell you what you do, Satan, you bring the best you've got. You bring all of your hatred. You bring all of your despair. You bring all of your uh, discontentment and what you desire for mankind. You bring all of that. You take your best shot at me at Golgotha. I'm going to give you one shot at me. You give me all that you've got. You bring all the whipping. You bring that crown of thorns. You bring the nails and the cross and you bring the spear. But not only that, I'm going to even go further than that. I'm going to let you take your best shot at me and I'm going to take upon myself all the sins of mankind. I'm going to become sin and God will pour out all of His wrath and His judgment on me for sin. On me, I'll take it. But me and you fixing to settle this. We fixing to put this to rest. And I'm going to pay for it all. Myself. And then I'm going to lay down my life. You can't take it for no man can take my life. I'll lay it down on myself that I may take it up again. And that following Sunday morning, I'm going to get up with all of my mightiness and all of my authority and I will have gained victory and power over death, all power over sin, all power over the grave, and all power over life. I'll claim it Sunday morning. And it's settled between us and mankind. Who wouldn't reach out to that Jesus? If you're here this morning and you're on your way to hell, you'll have to walk past Jesus to get there. He's going to stop you, Brother Joey. He's going to stop you on that road by the moving of the Holy Spirit. He's going to stop you there. And He wants to touch you and change all of life for you. Or you can strut right past Him and split hell wide open. Your choice. But I also tell you this morning that you may be walking down the road of despair. There may be something going on in your life that you have uh, no understanding of how it can be conquered. You have no understanding of how it can ever come back together. Well, I tell you what, you're walking towards Jesus. Let Him touch it. Let Him turn you around and walk back with Him. What in our life? This morning needs to be touched of Jesus. We'll pass Jesus on the road. What will you do with it? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful today that Jesus is always on the road. 
Lord, in those times that I haven't walked with you, I was going the wrong direction and I still met my Jesus coming my way. Or even on those times that I was walking with Him and I started to stumble, I was headed down the right road and He's always there to touch me and pick me up. Lord, I pray a great moving during this time of invitation. We'd be reverent to that moving. That You would move in our lives this morning. That You would reveal to us things that need to be touched. uh, uh, Grave situations that need to be reversed. Lord, if there's any hopelessness here this morning, let us know that Jesus is in our vicinity. Lord, if there be one here this morning that doesn't know You, through the free pardon of sin, I pray that this morning You'd meet them on the road. That You'd stop them on the road. And all the pride of life The lust of the flesh would fall away in your presence and they'd reach out for you. It's in Jesus Christ's name I ask it. Amen.